Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning. Thank you, Brother Jared, for doing a wonderful job leading us in our singing. Thank you for Brother Rick for your wonderful remarks at the table. And thank you to all of you who are here this morning because you love the Lord. You love the gospel. You love worshiping the Lord and you want to do God's will. I'm so happy to see all of you here this morning. I want to begin my lesson this morning by telling you about someone named Barack. I want to tell you about Barack. And no, I'm not talking about Barack Obama or former president of the United States of America. Instead, I'm talking about this Barack. <laughs> I'm talking about the Barack you see on your slide right now. You see, Barack is an Australian domesticated sheep who made national headlines a couple of years ago. You see, some kind of way, Barack got away from his flock and he was lost. He was lost for a period of time. He was actually lost for about five years. For about five years, Barack was on his own, wandering around in the forest. And how that happened exactly, no one really knows. But when they found him, you know how he looked? He looked like this. He looked like this right here. He looked like a literal hot mess. He had grown nearly 80 pounds of wool and he couldn't see and he was terrified and filthy and in pain and helpless and hungry and completely traumatized and on the verge of death. Barack was not well off when he was discovered after getting lost in the forest for about five years. He didn't do very well on his own. He didn't do very well without a shepherd to nurture him and care for him. And you know who else doesn't do very well without a shepherd? We don't. We don't. We don't as the people of God. That is exactly why in 1 Peter chapter 5, in the verses from our scripture reading this morning, we find the apostle Peter talking about God's people having shepherds. He talks about shepherds in a local church. He tells qualified leaders in local churches to shepherd the flock of God among them. Question, what does that mean? What exactly does that mean? What exactly does that involve? How exactly does a group of spiritual leaders shepherd the flock of God? Well, since we are currently in the process of trying to appoint more qualified men to be shepherds in this church, I think that's something good for us to think about this morning. I think that's something good for us to talk about. I think that's something good for us to study and consider for a few minutes. I mean, now that we have considered the qualities that God wants shepherds to have, we need to make sure that we understand what shepherds are supposed to do. We need to understand what God wants shepherds to do. We need to understand the work and the responsibilities that have been given to shepherds. In fact, probably the best place to begin a study like this one is just to pause for a moment or two this morning and consider the word shepherd. Let's talk about this word shepherd. You see, in the Bible, the Holy Spirit uses a variety of terms to describe the men who are leaders in a local church. 
The Apostle Peter actually does that very thing in the verses that Brother Jason read for us this morning. I want to go back to 1 Peter chapter 5, and I want you to notice how the Apostle Peter uses at least three different terms to describe leaders of a local flock. I want you to notice how in these passages he calls these men elders. He calls them elders, and he also calls them overseers, or men who have oversight, and he also calls them shepherds, shepherds or pastors. They're called shepherds, they're called pastors, they're called overseers, they're called elders. All of these terms describe the same men. All of these terms describe the same office and the same work. Just like a doctor can also be called a physician or a surgeon or in some cases a pedi pediatrician or a neurologist or a cardiologist. Leaders in local churches also are called a host of different things. They're called a host of different terms. In fact, all of these terms describe various aspects of their work. For example... An overseer, an overseer is a manager. He is a manager. He's also called a bishop in the Bible. He is a superintendent. He is someone who looks over the flock and he guides the flock and he directs the flock. That's what he does as an overseer and as an elder. He is someone who is viewed as spiritually seasoned and mature. He is viewed by the flock as a man of experience and wisdom and sound judgment. He is called an elder. He is called an overseer or a bishop, and he's also called a shepherd. He's called a shepherd or a pastor. Question, why does God call these men shepherds? Why does he call them shepherds? What are shepherds supposed to do? What does God want shepherds to do? What does he want them to do for a flock? Well, typically, when the Bible talks about shepherds, typically, when the Bible talks about shepherds, it's not talking about shepherds of a local church. Instead, it's talking about literal shepherds. It's talking about literal shepherds who tend to literal sheep and make sure that what happened to Barak doesn't happen to their flocks. In fact, this is something that continues in Israel to this day. And Israel to this day, there are still literal shepherds who tend to literal sheep. I can remember on my, in my trip to Israel a few years ago as we were going up to Jerusalem and looking out of the window of the tour bus I was in and seeing shepherds. I remember seeing literal shepherds tending to literal sheep. I remember seeing some men do something that I don't see men do when I drive around the valley. You see, out of all the things God could have called leaders in the church, he chose, he chose to call them shepherds. He chose to call them men who tend to sheep, and while we might not have a problem viewing our leaders as overseers and elders. In fact, we call them elders today more than we call them anything else. I do have a fear that maybe we struggle with seeing our leaders as shepherds. I have a fear of that. I have a fear that instead of seeing elders 
as also shepherds, we think of elders as men who merely make decisions. All they do is make decisions. All they are is a board of directors. They decide what we're going to do, who we're going to have for gospel meetings. What are the order of services going to be? How are we going to spend the money that's collected on Sunday? Should we have songs on the slide? Should we not have songs on the slide? Should we use Lord's Supper packets? Should we not use Lord's Supper packets? Should we paint the walls of the meeting place white, blue, or yellow? Should we change the light bulbs in the auditorium? I have a fear that for many Christians, that's how they see elders. That's what they think of when they think of elders. They have a very distorted view of leaders in a local church. They think of elders as men who merely make decisions and they have authority. And don't misunderstand, while they do make decisions, and while they do have some authority given to them by God, there's a reason why God in the Bible doesn't call them CEOs. There's a reason why God in the Bible doesn't call them church bosses or cowboys or board members or maintenance men. There's a reason why in the Bible, God in his infinite wisdom chose through the spirit to call them shepherds. You know what shepherds do? Shepherds. Shepherds watch out for sheep. Shepherds take care of the sheep. They protect the sheep. They guard and defend the sheep. That's what the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews 13, 17. In Hebrews 13 and verse 17, the Hebrew writer tells us this. He says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? Because they're shepherds. Because they watch out for your souls. As those who will give an account, let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Notice what shepherds do. Shepherds watch over sheep. Shepherds, in this case, watch over spiritual sheep. They watch over souls. That's what the Hebrew writer says there. And that's what the Apostle Paul also told the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20. Will you please go in your Bible with me to Acts the 20th chapter? Look at Acts the 20th chapter, please. And Acts chapter 20, before sailing from Miletus on his way to Jerusalem with a contribution for needy saints there, the Apostle Paul has some things to say to the elders of the church at Ephesus. He has some, thing to say, some things to say to these elders. Look at Acts 20, verse 17. In Acts 20, verse 17, the Bible says, From Miletus, he, the apostle Paul, sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. There's that term, elders. Paul says, I got some things to say to the elders. Now drop down to verse 28 of the same chapter. Verse 28, this is what he said to the elders. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert. Remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each of you with tears. Notice what Paul says to these elders. Here Paul instructs these elders, some men that he, for all he knew, might not ever see again. 
He tells them to be shepherds. He says, shepherd the flock of God. Shepherd the church that Jesus purchased with his own blood. Part of shepherding, according to verse 28, means you got to guard yourself and you got to guard the flock. You got to watch out for the flock. Verse 31, you got to be alert. You got to be watchful. You got to be sober minded. You got to do all you can to protect God's flock. That's what the Apostle Paul tells these shepherds to do, and sheep need that. We need that. We need everything that shepherds have to offer. We need to be watched out for and guarded and protected. You know why? Because there's a lot of dangers out there. There's a lot of wolves out there. There's a lot of savage beasts out there that are constantly after us. There are a lot of people on the outside who want to come in here and they want to infiltrate us and they want to deceive us and influence us and lead us astray with false teaching. They want to worm their way in here and lead this church away from God. They want to lead this flock away from the chief shepherd. Who is Jesus Christ? If you don't believe me when I say that, then go home today and get on Facebook for five minutes. Get on Facebook for five minutes. And you know what you're going to see? You're going to see all kinds of erroneous ideas and erroneous teachings given by some of our own brethren that are being promoted on social media. And so often we fall from hook, line, sinker because they are eloquent. They got a great podcast and we don't realize they're giving us all kind of garbage. There are false teachers out there. There are wolves out there who are actively trying to steal us away from God. In fact, not only can the wolves come from the outside, but they can also come from the inside. They can also rise up among us. Isn't that what Paul told these elders in verse 30? Going back to verse number 30, notice how Paul told the shepherds in Ephesus that the wolves were going to rise up among them. The wolves were going to rise up among the eldership and they would not spare the flock. They would try to form a faction in the church and divide the church and get a following in the church. And they would not. Some of these shepherds, they would not see to the welfare of the flock. Paul warns them of that here in these verses. And that, my friends, is why this church needed solid shepherds. That's why they needed shepherds, and that's why, that's why we need shepherds. That's why we need shepherds at Monte Vista Church of Christ. Even today, at the Monte Vista Church of Christ, we need as many qualified shepherds as we can get to watch out for our souls. To watch out for our spiritual welfare, to protect us from the deceivers and the false teachers, to do for us what David did for his flock. Remember what Brother Zach talked about this morning? He read from 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17 verse 36 says that before going out to fight Goliath, David told Saul that when he was a shepherd, he protected his flock from the lion and the bear. He risked his life 
for his flock. That's what shepherds do. Shepherds watch out for the flock. They protect the flock against the wolves, but not only do they watch out for the flock, you know what else they do? They feed the flock. Just like literal shepherds feed their literal sheep, God expects spiritual shepherds to do the same thing for spiritual sheep. God expects spiritual shepherds to make sure that the flock they're watching over is being fed his word. Is being fed the word of God. And so that's why here in this place, our shepherds make sure that we always got Bible classes going on in this place. That's why we offer Bible classes, why they offer Bible classes on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. That's why we sometimes got two adult classes going on in this place. That's why we had Scott, Brother Scott White here earlier this year for a gospel meeting. And why we're going to have Brother Mark Roberts here later on this year for a gospel meeting. That's why the shepherds checked me out thoroughly before hiring me to be the preacher. They wanted to make sure that I was a sound teacher. They hold me accountable to work hard and study hard and always preach the truth from this pulpit. That's why we had a vacation Bible school or SBS. That's why we have a yearly theme and why we have lessons devoted to that theme. That's why Brother Miss Johnson leads special studies for the women over 40 at he and Veronica's house. And why Brother Jason offers special studies for the 20s and 30s over at he and Michelle's house. That's why we got articles of the family talk and SBS videos and Bible reading schedules. All that stuff is offered here to feed the flock. It's offered to make sure that this flock is being fed the word of God. Shepherds watch out for the flock. And they feed the flock. You know what else they do? They lead the flock. They lead the flock. Please go in your Bibles to John chapter 10. And I'm going to read a lengthy section here. I want to read the words of Jesus. We can't go wrong when we read what the Lord has to say. And so in John chapter 10, just listen to what Jesus says as he talks about leading the flock. In John chapter 10 and in verse number 1, in John chapter 10 and verse number 1, Jesus said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he's a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them. But they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he'll be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand, not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, he sees the wolf coming. He leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and he's not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. 
and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Notice what Jesus calls himself in these verses. Do you see it? Notice how in verse 11 and in verse 14, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. What does Jesus do as the good shepherd? Well, Jesus says as the good shepherd, he leads his flock. He leads the sheep and he goes before the sheep and he provides pasture for the sheep and he blesses the sheep and he sacrifices for the sheep and he protects the sheep from the wolves. And he cares for the sheep. And he knows the sheep. And he serves the sheep. That's the kind of leadership Jesus gives the sheep. That's the kind of leadership Jesus gives his universal flock. And that's also the kind of leadership that Jesus wants offered to local flocks. Jesus, the chief shepherd, Jesus, the good shepherd, wants shepherds of local flocks to lead the sheep. To lead them from the front, not from the back to be an example for them, to make sure that they're always staying on that narrow and straight path to care for them, to nurture them, to know them, to know every single one of them by name, to be close to them to build a relationship with them, to smell like them, to get dirty with them, to build trust with them so that they will turn to them in times of trouble. That's what shepherds do. Shepherds watch for and they feed and they lead. And you know what else they do? They seek. They seek after lost sheep. Look in your Bible, please, at Luke, the 15th chapter again. We're learning from the good shepherd, the perfect shepherd, Jesus. Here in Luke, the 15th chapter, in the first few verses, we find the Pharisees and the scribes grumbling because Jesus spent time with tax collectors and sinners. They didn't like the fact that Jesus gave them attention and taught them the word of God. They grumbled about that. And so Jesus explains why he gave attention to the tax collectors and to the sinners. In Luke chapter 15, in verse 4, and verse 4, Jesus says, what man among you? If he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And in verse 7, Jesus says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents that over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Now, I will say this, that the shepherd in this parable represents the Lord. This is the Lord here. This is how the Lord shepherds here. Notice how Jesus says here that even though this shepherd still had 99 sheep that were safe and protected and doing well, when he lost one, when he realized he had a Barak, you know what he did? He went after it. He didn't just move on. He searched for that one sheep. He valued that one sheep. He didn't give up until he found that one sheep. That's what this shepherd did. And this shepherd is the Lord. 
And that's what shepherds in local churches also ought to do as well. You see, beyond making decisions about money and the order of worship assemblies, shepherds determined to do the will of God go after lost sheep. They go after the lost sheep. They value every member of the flock. They're always making sure that every member of the flock is accounted for. They never just look the other way. They don't just scratch the name off the roll sheet and move on. And we have to account for these sheep. They use all their resources available to them to go after the missing sheep. That means they'll call the missing sheep. They're going to text the missing sheep. They're going to email the missing sheep. They're going to pop up at their house if they have to. They're going to invite them to come and let's have a cup of coffee. Let's sit down and talk about your soul. Let's talk about what we got to do to get you stronger in the Lord. The Bible says, Jesus says, that shepherds seek, seek after the lost sheep. And you know why they do that? Well, they do that because they're accountable for them. They're accountable for the sheep. When you go in your Bible to the Old Testament, to the book of Ezekiel, look at Ezekiel chapter 34. You're, you're familiar, at least many of you are familiar with the fact that the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, they went off into idolatry into captivity, right? Northern kingdom, they go off into Assyrian captivity. The southern kingdom, they go off into Babylonian captivity. You're, you're familiar with that. But let's think about this. Why did they go off into captivity? Well, the main reason why the nations, the nation of Israel, went off into captivity was because of idolatry. They kept getting immersed in idolatry. And one of the reasons why they kept getting involved in idolatry it's because they had bad leaders. It's because they were led astray by bad shepherds. I know that because the Bible says so. And the Bible's going to say so in Ezekiel 34, beginning in verse 1. Look at the language very carefully. We'll go down to verse 10, okay? Ezekiel 34, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me saying, the prophet says, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Notice how Israel in the Old Testament has shepherds. You see that? They had spiritual shepherds. And he said, prophesy and say to those shepherds, thus says the Lord God, woe, shepherds of Israel who have, who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? Isn't that what we just talked about? Verse three, you eat the fat and clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly, you have not strengthened. The disease you have not healed, the broken you have not bound up, the scattered you have not brought back. Didn't we just get done talking about that? Nor have you sought for the lost, but with force and with severity you have dominated them. They were scattered for a lack of a shepherd, and they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. My flock wandered through all the mountains and on every hill. My flock was scattered all over the surface of the earth, and there was no one to search or to seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my flock has become a prey, my flock has even become food for all the beasts of the field for a lack of a shepherd. And my shepherds did not search for my flock, but rather the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Notice how many times God keeps saying my flock. My flock, my flock, my flock. You know what that means? The sheep belong to God. 
They don't belong to the under shepherds. It's God's flock. God keeps saying that over and over again. That was true then. That's true today. And so verse nine says, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I'm against the shepherds and I will demand my sheep from them and make them cease from feeding sheep. So the shepherds will not feed themselves anymore, but I will deliver my flock from their mouth so that they would not be food for them. You get the impression God is mad. Just a little bit mad, right? Oh, he's very mad. He's upset. Why is the Lord upset? Well, he's upset because the shepherds of Israel were not doing a good job. They were not doing what shepherds are supposed to do. They were not feeding the flock. They were not nurturing the flock, caring for the flock. They were not protecting the flock. They had allowed the flock to scatter all over the place. And the Lord said they were not seeking to bring them back. They had absolutely no relationship and no connection with the sheep. What I just want you to see from those verses is these shepherds in the Old Testament were held accountable for their work. And that same thing is true today. Even today, shepherds are accountable. They're accountable for the flock. They're accountable to God. They're accountable to what kind of stewards they were over his flock. They're accountable for how they have done and performed in the things we've talked about this morning. Did they watch over the flock, feed the flock, lead the flock, seek for the lost sheep? They are accountable for all they do in their work as shepherds. And do you know what that means, brothers and sisters? That means that being a shepherd is a huge responsibility. It's a huge responsibility. It's a responsibility that involves more than just making decisions. It's a responsibility that involves more than just sitting at a table in an elder's office and making some decisions. It's a responsibility that goes beyond making decisions about money and carpets and pews. No, shepherds have to give an account for souls. They got to give an account for the shepherding they've done. For a flock that doesn't belong to them. Now, these are just a few responsibilities that shepherds have. But here's the next question. What about us? What about the flock? What's our responsibility in all of this? In other words, what can we do for our shepherds? What can we do for our current shepherds? And for the men who may be getting appointed to be additional shepherds very soon. Well, very quickly, I want to give you some things that we need to do to make all of this work to the glory of God. We know what the shepherds need to do, but when it comes to us, the sheep, you know what we need to do? We need to make sure we submit. We need to submit to the shepherds. That's what the Bible said at Hebrews 13, 17. We need to submit to them in matters of judgment. We need to avoid grumbling against them and griping against them and getting angry and complaining when we don't get our way. We need to avoid gossiping about them and backbiting and trying to form factions against them. Instead of doing all those ungodly and negative things, we need to trust our shepherds. We need to trust them. We need to trust their judgment. We need to trust that they know this flock better than we do. 
and they know what's best for the flock. We need to submit to our shepherds and we need to support our shepherds. We need to be there for them. We need to go to them even today and give them some encouragement. We need to go to them and say to them that we're not going to view the church as a as a cruise ship. We're not just going to go along for the ride and enjoy the ride. No, we want to do something. We want to help. We want to serve in whatever capacity you need us to serve. We're going to support you. We're going to hold your hand. We're always going to have your back. We need to support our shepherds. And we need to humbly listen to them. We need to listen to the shepherds. We need to listen to them when they give us counsel. When they give us wisdom, when they give us suggestions about ways in which we can improve our service to Jesus. We need to always remember that anything they say to us is with the best intentions. They're trying to help us. They're trying to help us grow, and that's their responsibility. We need to remember that. And so we got to put our big boy pants on, and we need to listen to the shepherds. And we need to make an effort to get to know them. Remember what, remember what Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 14? Jesus says, I know my sheep, I know my own, and my own what? They know me. This is a two-way street. Do you see that? And so often we miss that. We complain. We say, oh, the shepherds don't know me. They don't know me. They don't spend time with me. What are we doing to get to know the shepherds? It's not just on them. It's a two-way street. Building relationships between shepherds and sheep requires effort on both parties. It requires effort from the shepherd, effort from the sheep. That means that if a shepherd comes to us and offers to visit us in our home or offers us to come into their home and spend some time with them, we don't need to just say no to that. We need to make time for that. We need to take advantage of that. We need to get the shepherds in our home. Invite them in our home. Invite to take them out to lunch. Invite them to go to a Suns game with us, to go to a Diamondbacks game with us. Invite them to come and watch our kids play their, their little league baseball game, their soccer game, their, their basketball game. We need to make an effort to get to know our shepherds as they also make an effort to get to know us. That's how you build relationships. And relationships between shepherd and sheep is critical, absolutely critical. We got to get to know the shepherds and we need to be praying for the shepherds. Do you pray for the shepherds every day? I hope you do. In addition to praying for all the sick people among us right now and the shut ins and all our needs and our wants and our desires as sheep in this flock, we need to be praying for our shepherds. We need to be praying for their work. We need to be praying for their families. We need to be praying for them to have the courage and the wisdom and the good judgment they need to do a difficult work. We need to be praying for their comfort. We need to be praying for their peace. We need to be praying that the will of King Jesus is always before them every single day. We need to pray for the shepherds. And we also need to be, be gracious. We need to be gracious. We need to always remember that shepherds are men. 
They're human beings. They're made up of flesh and blood like the rest of us. And that means that they're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. If you want a perfect preacher, you hired the wrong man. I'm not perfect. Brother Mitch, Brother Rick, Brother Jason, Brother Dave, they're not perfect. The men who may get appointed soon, they're not perfect. Nobody's perfect, but they're doing the best they can do. They're trying really hard. They love every member of this flock. I know that for a fact. And they shed tears over this flock. And they talk about this flock and they pray for this flock. And they're always trying to be the best they can be for God and for this flock. And we need to be patient and gracious with them. As they do a very difficult work. And so as we press on, hopefully getting ready to appoint some additional leaders, I hope these things can help us a little bit. I hope you remember these things. I hope you remember that right now we're not seeking to appoint men who are just going to be elders. We're seeking to appoint men who are going to be shepherds. We need more shepherds, men who are going to do everything that shepherding demands. And so let's bow our heads and pray together about that. Will you pray with me, please? Holy Father, Holy Father, we bow our heads as your people in this place, thanking you for your plan, thanking you for your plan for local churches, thanking you for our current shepherds, the four men who lead this, this flock so well, who love you, who love the people, who want to do what's right. We're thankful for them and the very difficult work that they do, and we pray that we'll always treat them right. And that we'll always understand they have our best interest in mind as they do a challenging work. We also pray for the men under consideration to be additional shepherds. We pray that if it's your will, they will be appointed and they will do all the shepherding work that you demand. We pray that you will bless them and bless their families, and we're thankful for their desire to want to take on this work. And we just pray, Father, that you will help them and continue to walk with them as we go through this process. But thank you, Father, for this plan. We know that all of this is about going to heaven. And we pray we always keep that in mind, that all of this is not about a popularity contest. It's not about getting our way. It's about serving you and loving you and becoming more like Jesus and having qualified men to shepherd us and help us go to heaven. And so, Father, please continue to bless this church and the men who lead it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, remember, I told you about Barack at the beginning of the lesson. I want to tell you about Barack one more time. Barack was lost for five years. But eventually he was found. They found Barack, and he was brought back to a fold of safety. He got him a nice little haircut. You see that? He got confidence again. He's eating well. He's doing just fine. He was lost, but now he's found. And the question is, is that you? Are you lost? Do you need to be found? Do you need to return to the fold of safety and the chief shepherd, Jesus the Christ. If there's someone here this morning 
who needs to return to the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus. You're going to have that opportunity to come back to him this morning. Or if you need to come and be part of God's fold for the first time through faith and repentance and baptism. If there's anyone here who needs to follow Jesus, the chief shepherd, come to the front right now. Let's stand. Let's sing together.